0: Is it better than the UEFA Euro?
1: Nothing in soccer is better. Can I just say that statement? Nothing. There is no situation or scenario where soccer, pretentious costume running, is better. But go on. Gold cup. So here's the thing. You are listening to episode 21 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they like to know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline in a hastily thrown-together format, literally hastily thrown together, brought to us this week by putting all your eggs in one basket. The Los Angeles Lakers will tell us about putting all your eggs in one basket, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But there's going to be more NBA topics, but we're back to a kind of a traditional format where we're going to talk about a little bit about news and notes, and then we'll get into the main topic of the story. But before we do... I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me, as always, is Dave Turnbull.
0: Coming at you live from the NBA draft. And by live from the NBA draft, I mean we both have it on a secondary screen right now.
1: Pretty much, yes. But we are going to talk about some NBA draft because there is – the content gods have smiled upon us. The NBA has giveth in terms of the content. So there's certainly quite a bit to talk about, especially if you're interested in uh, the fate of the draft picks from the New Orleans Pelicans received. So we're going to talk about the Anthony Davis trade. As part of that as well, and the fallout. But then we're also going to have some news and notes as tradition, what we're looking forward to, all that good stuff. Before we get there, we're going to quickly do the shameless plugs. You can hear this podcast that you are listening to hopefully right now. You can check it out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also check it out on YouTube if you want to see a static image of our faces in cartoon form by looking up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcasts. So you can check out archived episodes as well as occasionally I'll do Unnecessary Nonsense Pod Extras where I'll talk about a topic at hand. We were really close on getting one for the Anthony Davis trade, but I knew we were very close to this podcast recording, so I figured we'll save a lot of the good content for this one. But if it had happened, say, on Saturday night after we already recorded one, then I would definitely have thrown something up there. So stuff like that will come on from time to time. So first, let's start off with some news and notes. And by the way, we will have timestamps either in the show notes or in the YouTube video wherever you're watching or listening. There's going to be timestamps if you want to skip ahead to whatever topic you want to. So we'll throw that in there for your convenience. So first, we go to some news and notes. Dave, what would you like to talk about first? It's happening, Carlos. It's happening. The Tampa Bay Expos?
0: That quite possibly. Uh, So a story came out today that has linked uh, that MLB has given permission to the Tampa Bay Rays to explore the option of playing games in Montreal. Montreal. So it's like the reverse of what happened before where Montreal was playing games while they were still in Montreal in, they Puerto, were playing Rico. Ga- in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yes.
1: They played twenty two home games in their final two seasons. It was it was funny that of all things this is would be the exact reversal of that to your point. So there but there is also precedence for this elsewhere. So I'll throw this in here quickly as a kind of historical note. It's not the first time that a franchise. Now, this is a case. This would be the second time that this franchise. Well, actually, no. Let me correct myself. This would be the second time that a Montreal adjacent, because the first one was the actual Expos, this would be a Montreal whatever. Well, I'd
0: probably still. It'd be the Rays, I would assume.
1: I, I, I would assume as well. So, and Montreal adjacent, let's just say Montreal is involved. This would be the second time in Major League Baseball. But if you go back to not in another country, and this would be the second time that a Montreal one would be involved in a multinational arrangement like this. The uh, Green Bay Packers uh, played games out of Milwaukee for years because at that time the Milwaukee baseball stadium held uh, greater capacity. Obviously, once Lambeau Field got enough capacity that they were able to match or even go beyond it, then they stuck to Lambeau. But it's not like it's never happened before that a franchise has gone somewhere else to get better attendance. Now, leaving the country is still a fairly rare occurrence, so it is funny that it's even being contemplated.
0: Yeah, I mean, Green Bay is is not that far from Milwaukee to begin with, so that's a little more makes sense. Whereas this, this what they were talking about, again, obviously nothing is official, nothing has happened. But what they were saying is that this is actually looking like they may even half the season. So they would play the first half of the season where the weather's poor in Montreal, in Tampa Bay, and then they would play the whole second half of the season. They basically up and move to Montreal for the second half of the season. Now, obviously, it looks like if this does happen, they would be playing, They would still be playing their games at Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay as well as the Olympic Stadium in Montreal. However, there is a group—I don't know if you've heard—that has purchased land—like, the land rights are, exist to build a new stadium in Montreal.
1: I've heard a lot about that, and I, I applaud the idea. So let me quickly throw my two cents in on this. I think it'd be interesting if it happens— I really, really wish they would just let the big O go, though. Like, that building is a, you know... One day, an actual piece of that building will collapse and kill, like, 100 people. It will happen. Like, that building... That building should have been condemned when they built it. Like, I have serious questions about the actual quality of this build. Because, for whatever reason, it just... You know, that place, I'd say, is jinxed or cursed because it never really led to anything good. They, they should have just stuck to Jerry Park and retrofitted it and made it better. But regardless, I understand, but building a stadium in there, it's tricky because I did catch a tail end of this on TSN radio locally. And the problem that I have with it is kind of a point that they did bring up, and it was a valid point. You can't operate half pregnant. I understand why Major League Baseball would look. It's pretty much damning about Tampa Bay. Really what it's saying is that Tampa Bay can't hold on on its own. They, the attendance has been so bad for so long. They, they need to basically do anything just to prop up their terrible attendance numbers and try to generate some actual revenue for the team. But the problem that this creates is that you're basically you're basically teasing the Montreal fans. Here's the reality. I think it would draw much better in Montreal. I think there's enough people in there that would hope that this would be like a first step to actually getting a team full time, like an audition, so to speak. But building the stadium without having the firm commitment to get a franchise is foolhardy at best and stupid at worst. You're not going to blow – these stadiums cost hundreds of millions of dollars, probably a billion dollars to build a proper one. You're going to throw a billion dollars in there without having it in stone. This team is yours and you get get an actual – a tenant for your billion-dollar stadium? No way. Yeah. Well, you know, and
0: I think I think part of the problem is this commitment to the dream of baseball in Florida, right? I think Florida has proven itself to be a crappy major league baseball market as a state. Now, it's been great for spring training, and and spring training still works well there, and and but it's a whole different vibe, and it's obviously a lot shorter. But right now, currently, one of the reasons you know they're looking at this, even though this isn't horrible, horrible numbers, at least compared to what Montreal was averaging when they were having some games in Puerto Rico, they're currently averaging fourteen thousand five hundred forty six fans per home game. You know who the only team is is less than that for average? Miami? The Miami Marlins. Yeah. Yep. And they just built a, uh, you know, well, not just, but recently they have a new stadium, which is, well, let's, it, there's a lot about it that's good, and there's a lot more about it that leaves you scratching your head
1: i think you visited the stadium right yes okay let me ask you a question so because it's going to get to my point about this because i think there's a real point to be made and of all people oaks brought this up and it's completely valid and he brought up the legitimate question and i think it's a it's a real question that needs to be asked my opinion and i've stated it before i think florida is a terrible sports state i don't think i don't think they. i think there's very select things that there's interest in i don't think the demographics necessarily work you've got your you know your your snowbirds, you've got your old people. I don't know if they're interested in doing that. Now, th- this is an important question because of the proximity of these different uh, arenas and venues. Is the Miami Stadium actually well located relative to Miami? You know, you know, Miami is a hard market to locate things in too, I
0: feel. I agree. Uh, because if you look at if you look at where everything else is, right? I think the the football stadiums technically in what's called Hialeah. I mm. could be wrong with that. Right. But 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 it's it's outside of the core Montreal. I'm uh, sorry, Montreal, outside of the core of Miami. Right? It's Don't get ahead there. of
1: yourself. Stop trying sorry. to move the team I know, immediately. I know,
0: but it's it's outside of that core area. The basketball stadium is basically in Miami Beach, which is technically another city. I mean, right? Well, it is. I mean, Miami Beach is its own city, yep. like incorporated. But it's people consider it to be Miami when you're not from the area, and. The hockey rink is in Sunrise, right, which is up the coast, and the baseball stadium's in Little Havana, which I, it makes sense in the sense where you're trying to, you know, cater to the commu- Cuban Cuban community because Cubans are so crazy about baseball as a people generally. But is that's that the number that one f- sport in Cuba. But is no, it isn't. It. F- it it isn't because here's the thing: when I went, and we went in the summer, and it's it's a closed stadium, so you know you don't have to worry about the the thunderstorms that roll through quite frequently. Mm-hmm. And you also don't have to worry about the heat, right? If you want to open it, you can, mm-hmm. whatever, but you don't have to. So we went there and but let's put it this way. So we went, to, I actually went to two games mm-hmm. while I was there. Yeah. Uh, and the first game we went to was one we, you know, we bought tickets for, we went to, we parked in a parking garage there or whatever. Second game, we decided we'd park in one of those similar to where you park in Hamilton, we park on somebody's lawn. I don't – like it was – I don't even know what property it was. Anyway, the car – when we got back, the car was all scratched up. Somebody hit the car. Thankfully, it was a rental and I had extra insurance, so it didn't matter. But Always insure
1: your rentals, people. Just good but, advice in general. Always exactly. Always take the insurance.
0: But, but, you know, so I wasn't worried about it. But still, like that happened. And it was also – I can't remember if it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. But it was seniors night. Uh, and I went with my mom who is a senior and has been a senior longer than she'd like to admit. And – she got in for free. It was seniors night. So the second night, I she went in with, and said, hey, I'm a senior. And they just gave her a free ticket right at the gate. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the box office and I said, just give me a seat. Like, give me the, chick- the cheapest ticket you can give me. And then I basically went and sat beside my mom. And nobody
1: asked us to move because there was nobody there. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, in fairness, your mom was probably the biggest baseball fan in the state at that point. Like as far as as the senior demographic, she was probably it because the whole idea. I'm not making fun of the senior population in Florida. What I'm actually saying is, unless they're passionate about baseball in the first place, they're moved to Florida to live the life that they want to live in Florida. They want to have the warmer weather. They want to be near the beach. Whatever the case is, maybe they're in retirement or whatever. But there's a lifestyle, and the whole the Miami thing is is also if you live in Miami and you're below the age of 60, you're probably seeking out a certain lifestyle. Well here's the thing. I'm a baseball fan hardcore from the get-go. But the reality is, it takes the game does not suit itself to the modern sports landscape. Baseball is not an exciting sport. It is not a sexy sport. Even the biggest superstars in baseball do not match up to a LeBron James. They do not match up to, you know, Tom Brady, I guess. But You take your biggest... Oh, you went there, man. You went there. Yeah, I guess. Why, Carlos? Why? I guess. Listen, he he cheated his way to at least five of the Super Bowls. So the point is, the man tries. The man tries. But the point is, and it's been weeks since I took a good, unprovoked shot at Tom Brady. I I was getting rusty. I needed my moment. But the point is that an NFL superstar, like a real NFL superstar, can be a global brand. They sticks out. In baseball, the consensus best player is Mike Trout. And Mike Trout's having a great season. What have you heard about it? Nothing. I've heard a little bit about it because, I'm on, because I read baseball stuff. I'm on the baseball Instagrams. I'm on that. Yeah. So I can see it. But, but the point I, is, unless,
0: you, unless you're looking for it or you're really involved in yeah. it, you're not getting it. Or unless, you're, unless you follow the angels.
1: I'm seeking it out. So I, I'm, I'm a person who's had – I've had the, um, the MLB.tv so long that I had it back – I had basically was watching stream baseball games back when they used the real player the real audio player. So if anyone wants to google that, you can find out that they used to have like a real audio player and you could watch really really crappy pixelated d- baseball streaming. I go back there. I was having it from that time. I'm pretty sure I've had MLB.tv for a decade. I had a grandfathered price for years. I probably still do to a certain degree. But the point is, you got to go deep. If you if you're really into the sport like that, that's deep. The amount of people that qualify for that that are hanging out in Miami Probably not a lot. Even if you're trying to rely on the Cuban population, okay, that you're hoping, you're crossing your fingers. Like, guys, you know, there's I don't think there's enough physical people who are that interested who actually want to go out. And then the location suddenly becomes even more important. It's, even if you're not that hardcore, I'll go to a game, but it better be damn well convenient. It better basically be down the street. And the prices yeah. better be
0: cheap, it, and it better be air. Unless you live in in Little Havana, it's not. I mean, it's not too far from the highway, so it's got fairly easy access that way. But I mean, if you're downtown, like transport. To, honestly, I'm not 100 percent sure, but it, it certainly didn't look like it was convenient public transport wise. That could But be the other thing, it the other thing is, if you're downtown, right? Like, if you're downtown Toronto, amongst a lot of other places, but like, let's say where I'm trying to, or Seattle, even. Or where, you know, even L.A., because uh, there's a, a shuttle bus that runs from downtown L.A. to Dodger Stadium. And it's not that far. But the, or Houston, like these parks, if you're downtown, it's like, hey, you know what? Why don't we go to a game? We just walk down. You're not doing that in Miami or Tampa Bay.
1: And that's a problem, I think, because it, whatever else you've done, if you've got the casual audience that you're trying to get, and we're going to have to assume that a lot of the Florida audience is casual. You basically have to make it easy for them. You have to do everything short of drive them up to the stadium, walk them in, and point them to a seat. You you, you might have to carry them to the seat because you have have to do everything. That's part of the reason why I don't think that uh, Florida is a good market. They've tried to make baseball work there. Even World Series championships, even contending teams, even playoff teams. It doesn't matter. Like It doesn't work. It's damning from major League Baseball's perspective that they've reached a point with that team that they're like all right we're gonna tr- we're gonna shoot take everything to the wall and see what sticks we're just gonna throw stuff and this is kind of a desperation move really even considering it is a desperation move yeah so it is interesting if it does come to pass it won't be for years I did laugh actually because uh because Oaks did ask a valid question of you Dave he said oh if that was to come to pass and they actually got the team, uh, how quickly would you jump off the Dodger bandwagon to go to the uh, Tampa, you know, the Montreal Rays or, you know, new Expos or whatever they call themselves? I, can I can I give my answer? Of course, I you sa- can. I said about six point eight four seconds, and I said, well, that's slower. But keep in mind, if it happens at the earliest twenty twenty three, will be forty. So I don't think you're as spry and agile enough to jump off the bandwagon as fast as you did in your youth. You know,
0: honestly, probably I will be excited. I'll be happy and I'll follow the team more, but I don't think it's going to get me to jump off the Dodgers bandwagon.
1: Wait until they sign uh, P.K. Subban as ambassador. We'll see if you can beat that 6.84 seconds.
0: Well, you know what? That's that's another story altogether, though.
1: Just saying. that's a, That could always be in play. Drake has opened the door.
0: Oh, God. Let's just not let's even. Not, we can get that <laughs> later. Anyway, let's move on to something else that I want to talk about briefly. What else you got? In our news and notes. I, so I want to talk about the CFL, and I know we had talked, Last week, that maybe we'd go really into depth the CFL this week, but then as you say, the the NBA just went crazy, and all the story it's like all the stories happen at the same time. There was
1: a lot, right? We can't help it.
0: uh But I found this as a particularly interesting story, and I want to know what your take on this is. So let me let me set it up for you, and then i I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'll give my two cents. So I I don't know if we talked about this last time, but in the Ty Cats' victory. Simone Lawrence made a hit to the head of Zach Calaros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So it was, and there's a new rule where it's a 25 yard penalty uh, in the CFL for a hit like that on a quarterback. And he was also suspended for two games. Okay. Now they're appealing that the two game suspension, but here's the interesting thing. So this, the players association is appealing the pen the two game suspension and the commissioner has come out and said, basically, they're really disappointed. Uh, they're trying to deter dangerous play. We should embrace a shared responsibility to do all we can to punish and deter any play that crosses the line. It's disappointing the union has decided to use a legal process at considerable time and expense to defend an impending player instead of standing up for the player hurt on the play. Let's use that time and money to instead work together on new ways to promote and protect all players' safety. So that's what the commissioner, Randy Ambrosie said. But the point that I find interesting there is is this, that the CFLPA is the one who's really getting involved in here. But you have two players involved. So they're siding with Simone Lawrence, whereas Zach Caleros is out and could be out for a considerable amount of time. So I'm curious as to what you think in terms of the Players Association getting involved in this when it's player on player.
1: So – I actually do have a couple of thoughts on this. I'm glad you brought it up. The key I think here is this is a brilliant move from the CFL's perspective in that the Players Association opened themselves up to basically divide themselves in two ways. Truthfully, the Players Association shouldn't have even touched this. They should have just told Lawrence to, like, you know what? Two-game suspension? Eat it. Just eat it for the sake of... uh, for the, because this is not the hill you want to die on, the CFL is going to try to use every angle to try to divide the players a little bit. Because I believe, if memory serves me, there's still you know there was a tentative deal I think on a new CBA. I don't remember if they finished that. Like, did they actually complete the, uh, or is it still kind of working on the bargaining agreement?
0: As far as I know, it's still working on it.
1: Yeah, because I remember back in May they had reached a tentative deal. So I don't know if that's taken effect or if that's still ongoing. The truth is though, the league, the league has a lot of um the league needs to focus its attention on trying to kind of divide the players a little bit to allow them to get the certain concessions they want to get. The has always been a little weird to sorry,
0: me. they did. They've ratified a new 3-year agreement.
1: So it's still in effect for so 3 years. Does this year count as this one is a of new three one. years?
0: new uh, I I think this is the first year.
1: Okay. I understand why the CFL would do it because they can apply some public pressure, but if they've already ratified the agreement, I think it might be just laying the groundwork for a future uh, for a future bargaining agreement deal. Because the league is always going to try to make sure it positions itself in the best possible light. In this case, they can take the moral high ground and say, look, we're trying to take care of player safety. The Players Association doesn't care about player safety, I guess. You can say it without saying it. It's, it's kind of a good move from the CFL's standpoint. The Players Association would have been smarter just to stay out of it. I agree. Just let Lawrence be like we're not ignoring you Lawrence but Caleros is also a player in our union so we can't we can't choose one of you over the other it it doesn't work
0: yeah like if he i think if the team and the like the tie cats and the player want to pursue it fair enough mm-hmm. that's their right and 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 you know fair enough but if if the cf like obviously in this case the pa is taken a, a specific side when they've agreed to collect a collective bargaining agreement already where you know these things are involved and they're knowing what they're going into in terms of penalties and things like that
1: the league should always try to strengthen its position relative to the players and the players should always try to demonstrate unity in every aspect that's that's the way collective bargaining always works if the players show enough unity it helps their bargaining position even if they've already ratified a deal fine there's going to be a deal in three years. It doesn't matter. You're going to have this conversation again. Everything you do now lays the groundwork for the next set of talks, no matter what they are. So the CFL is always going to be aware of that. This was an easy one. The CFL gets to look like the good guy, and if the appeal works, awesome. I guess you guys don't care about player safety. Like You've got it built in. You don't have to do anything, and no one's going to argue with you. The CFL doesn't lose putting them in that position. It's kind of Exactly. Smart. It's kind of smart. Any other major news and notes? I'm just checking here. Do you want some uh, pretentious cross-country running? Because
0: I can give you some pretentious cross-country running. All It'll right. be brief.
1: All right, all right. Here it is. You ready for uh, – you get your brief intro. I'm here. Uh-oh. It is the Pretentious Cross-Country Running Report with Dave Turnbull.
0: All right. I was about to go into something about Canada, but now I'm just going to go on a stupid rant about soccer in general. Okay? Now, you know I love the sport, Carlos. Do here's you, what I Do you really? But, but here's what I don't understand, all right? So, right now, concurrently, two major tournaments are happening. Now, you could argue how major one of them is.
1: Could you say CONCACAF somewhere in here? I don't know if that's true, but it would make me happy.
0: Oh, buddy, it's here. So, as we have discussed on this program previously, currently it is the Women's World Cup okay, taking place in France. Yep. Okay, which is a showcase event for FIFA. It's a big event, obviously. And every tournament seems to now grow in prestige and viewership. And the women's game is really growing. And the the competitive level is really coming together in the sense that the teams, you know, before you'd get those teams where you'd get, I know we had the one blowout of the U.S. to Thailand. But generally speaking, the competitive level is higher and the teams that used to win easily may still be winning, but it's a lot harder for them to win now.
1: Yeah, narrowing now, the gap Can- is always a good sign for the sport. It means the sport's improving.
0: Nah. Now, Canada uh, lost today, so they're going to have to play, I believe, Sweden now in the second round. Instead of Japan, because uh, they finished second in the group. But congratulations, Canada. You made it out of the group. You've gone to the second round. So that's great. But here's the problem, Carlos. You know what the problem is, Carlos? The problem is CONCACAF. And I didn't just say that because you wanted me to say that. Because CONCACAF is actually the problem. Because you know what else is happening right now? The Gold Cup. Right? The Gold is that Cup. Is literally a thing you just made up? No, it's it's actually what they call it. Or I could, if you are—is it the
1: follow-up to the Silver Cup and the Bronze Cup? Would you prefer Copa d'Oro? Hey, it works, but I, I just enjoy the fact that it just you do. As an aside, quickly before I want you to finish this point, but as an aside, you realize that as a non-soccer guy, if you say the words Gold Cup, it's so generic. It does feel like you just made it up. You know that right? Like it, yeah. it's the most generic-sounding name. <laughs> I don't. Is it better than the UEFA Euro? Nothing in soccer is better. Can I just say that statement? Nothing. No, there is no situation or scenario where soccer, pretentious costume running, is better. But right. go on. So, Gold Cup. So here's the thing. Okay,
0: So so the Gold Cup is the championship of CONCACAF. So uh, the national teams. So, you know, U.S., Canada, Mexico, and a bunch of Caribbean nations. Okay. And national Guyana. Because for some reason, Guyana decided we don't want to be in South America, even though In that conference. I think they're like, everyone else here speaks Spanish. So we're going to go with the people who speak English. Anyway. Point is, their tournament is running concurrently. Okay, So first of all, here's my two points of why this is dumb. First of all, it's running at the same time as the Women's World Cup. And it's going to end the same day. So the final of the Gold Cup is the same day as the final of the Women's World Cup. Which I think is stupid planning. Not only that though. I, I I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you know how they have like the names and the balls and they draw out the countries. So it's like, OK, Group A, here we go. Group B, here we go. And I, they haven't, draw, seen you it, know. I
1: haven't seen it, but I can imagine a lottery system. That okay. makes sense. I right.
0: So they draw all the things. And
1: yeah, he,
0: here's the problem. Somehow, because it's a it's a lottery, it's random, right? You draw them out of a thing and that's what happens, right?
1: Are you going to tell me the New York Knicks won?
0: Maybe. That- but the point is, every single time, every single time they set it up. So that if the U S wins their group and Mexico wins their group, they can meet in the final. They will not face each other. If they both win their group every time yet again, this has happened. And it's like, can you talk about rigged man? So not only are you, you going at the same time as another major tournament, which is arguably more important than yours. So it's going to have less viewership, but you're also rigging it. So that Mexico and the U S are going to make the final unless one of them shits the bed. So CONCACAF, Double thumbs down to you.
1: I I like how you restrained yourself. You probably wanted to go in a different direction there at the conclusion. It is kind of funny that they try so hard. And it's fun watching you rant on a CONCACAF thing because it seems like they find a way to always do something wrong.
0: I I can't remember the last time CONCACAF did something right, to be honest with you.
1: They're also – I could go into –
0: I mean I'll have another story another time and I could go into the corruption. I'm not going to go there. But I'm just saying like – it's like, how many different ways can you fuck something up or look like it's fixed?
1: We do like some fixing. And speaking of fixing, we'll talk more about the CFL next week. Anyway. I, so that has been the Pretentious Cross Country running Port with Dave Turnbull. Well done. And I got an unprovoked shot at the CFL at the end. This was a good report for you. Great job. All right. You ready to do some main topic stuff? Let's move on to the NBA, buddy. All right. So quick question. Actually, before we do the real, because the main topic I think is multifaceted. There's multi-layers to this. Because the yes. draft is its own thing, but it also plays into the Anthony Davis trade, and it also. So here's a. Let me quickly make a point. Let's talk about the Kawhi thing first. Let's get that out of the way, and all right. then and then we'll do we'll do the Anthony Davis trade, and then play it into the draft. Because it yeah, all fair it enough, because it it
0: leads into the well. You can't talk about one
1: without talking about the yeah, other. It smoothly transitions. But let's do the Kawhi Leonard thing first. So short version, I think. If it was me in the clubhouse, I've already stated I think the we the no- I think the King of the North campaign I think is genius. I think New Balance would I think New Balance is the one who is would be pitching the hardest to be like seriously we can own Canada, just sign take the additional money and we'll give you even more money. You're you will have an altar built on money, because the deal that Toronto Raptors can offer him averages I think to thirty five million a year. Like it's not an insignificant sum. It's it's a, or it's a huge sum of money. It's a princely sum. Plus you're a made man in Toronto, you will never need to pay for a meal or a drink anywhere in the city ever again. Your uncle will not need to pay for a drink or a meal anywhere in the city ever again. Your family will not need to pay for anything in the city. You'll own that town. And when you're done the season, go home to LA. Like the, the world of of a rich professional athlete is such that you can fly first class anywhere you want. The facilities will be given. They will give you a freaking Learjet. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment can afford a Learjet. They will fly you to your goddamn house. They will get a helicopter and fly you on a helipad to your house in L.A. when the season's over. I don't think it'll be an issue of can they provide you things. It'll be an issue of is there any other mitigating factor. Is there anything else Kawhi needs or wants? Because money will not be the factor. He'll be offering no. plenty of money.
0: And apparently they've offered him a free condo. And I don't know if you've seen this campaign about Kauai eats for free. I haven't heard of it, but I, it makes sense. I'm sure. So I'm there's sure. there's actually a, a thing where you can actually get a sticker and like put it in your restaurant window. So believe it or not, I I was in of all places, I was in in Virgil, Ontario, which is on the way to Niagara on the Lake. Okay. Right? And we had stopped to get a pie at this pie place that Megan's mom had told me about to get a pie for Megan's dad, and what kind in of the pie? window. Uh, We end up buying a strawberry rhubarb pie. Fancy. Because, well, that's all they had left. Now, I like that. They have other kinds of pies, but apparently they sell out real quick. Anyway, in the window, Kauai eats for free. Is Kauai ever likely to go to Virgil, Ontario? Nope. But it's a thing.
1: It makes sense, though. Like, his publicity, it's great. But that's why I'm saying, though. Like, if if money is the issue, staying in Toronto still makes the most sense. If money is not the issue... They've rolled out the red carpet all over the city for you. The man owns the damn town now. He's a made man. They'll build him a goddamn statue if he resigns. So like I promise, they will build him a god they'll oh, build him a statue I, while he's playing.
0: I don't think there's really anything else that they can offer him other than not being LA, you know?
1: At that and point, the only thing left that they have not offered him is a piece of the franchise. Like, dude, here, have a piece of the franchise. Like, yeah. there's nothing else they can offer.
0: And I don't think they're going to do that, but yeah. I don't think LA is going to do that either.
1: But short of that, that's about... It, they've made the offer as enticing as yeah, it can be. So I, with, Kawhi Leonard, is, is, with all that said, is a very different dude. He is a very different breed of cat. So there's no way, real way to know kind of what he's thinking. And at the same time, you know, I don't think it'll matter. You know, he'll still be celebrated when he comes back, no matter what. Nobody will begrudge him. He did, in one season, the most he could possibly do. And he delivered on what they could have possibly wanted. And it yeah. worked.
0: No, absolutely.
1: So, it'll be nice. I think, I, I hope, for the local fan base, I said I separate myself because I am not an OG Raptor fan. And I'm still not really a Raptor fan now. I'll watch the games, but it's not a big deal to me. Yeah. But I'm happy for the people that are the OG Raptor fans. This is their moment. So I'm glad for them.
0: Yeah. And I would say just two points. So here's one thing. One
1: thing, I'm sick and
0: tired of people talking about the weather in Toronto. Okay? So newsflash, people, it snows in Minnesota. It snows in Detroit. It snows in New York. It snows a lot of places in the United States. Right? Right? So if, if there were an NBA team in Buffalo, it would be freaking worse weather than Toronto. So shut up about the damn weather in Toronto. Okay? Now, second point, I think he's going to sign for two years uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I really do think he wants to go home and play in LA. I don't think he wants the Lakers. I think he wants to go to the Clippers. But I think because of where Toronto is positioned, I think he's going to sign a one-year deal plus a player option. Uh, which would take him to 10 year, uh, years of NBA service time, yeah, which means money. at the end of that time, he more could money. get even higher max deal. Yeah.
1: No, the thing is there's different ways. If it's just a money issue, there's different machinations in the way the CBA is built where they can just do some math. He and the agent can sit there and just crunch some numbers and have your cake and eat it too. And and again, the Toronto fans would be thrilled. Even a one and one they'll take that. They at least get another season. He'll play. He'll do. He'll do what he needs to do. And if they have any success at all, it'll be icing on the cake. You know, it'll it'll be a little addition to his statue when they finish building it. Yeah. But the um, the end result of all of that. Now, I will make a quick point on your first point. I wasn't going to talk about it any further, but since you bring it up, I work in downtown Toronto. I actually work in downtown Toronto. I literally work on Bay Street, so I can speak to this with the most direct connection to it. I work there every single day. The weather there is no better or worse than any other major city. If you go to New York, it's almost identical weather. You know, our systems are spaced out a little bit. But the truth is this. When it's cold, it gets real cold. You know, you get the wind tunnel, it's chilly. But guess what? You're not outside that much when it's that damn cold. And if you're moving from cars and in and out, guess what? You can go from one building to another and one area to another relatively quickly. We've got underground paths. We've got all kinds of things. The weather is mitigated a lot. And that's for somebody who has to go into an office every single day. The weather really isn't that much of a factor if you're near your mode of transportation. And if you got a private car, they'll drive you wherever you need to go. The roads are fine. It's it's one of those things. It's it's just the cost of doing business. And there's plenty of business being done there. It is a hub. It is a center in the in Canada and in the world. It's one of those things where I don't really don't think it's that much better. Is LA weather better? Absolutely. But is LA traffic worse? Yes. <laughs> so it's like there, there's a trade-off in everything. If you intend to go anywhere and travel inside of the city... Traffic is always going to be a thing, but there are a few traffics worse than L.A. traffic. So it's not like it's that much, much of a difference. Unless you do get the helicopter, in which case it's all, never mind, forget everything I said. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about, let's do the Anthony Davis trade here. Let's,
0: let's get to our main thing, man. So. All right. You want to recap the trade?
1: Yeah. So the short version of it is that Anthony Davis was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers for everything that wasn't nailed down, basically. Pretty much. I can, uh, uh, Rather than tell you what they traded it for, because I don't have it in front of me, but you know what would be easier? Why don't I tell you what the Los Angeles Lakers have left on the roster? Let me tell this you what's left, because this will be easier. This will be a shorter list. And it'll lead into my point about the uh, where I think this trade falls. Mr. Turnbull, the Los Angeles Lakers, at the conclusion of this trade, officially, because it officially hasn't happened, again, a quirk of the NBA scheduling, but when it officially happens on July the 6th, the Los Angeles Maybe, Lakers,
0: or maybe not. Yeah, the Los it Angeles, may happen later. will get into that The Los Angeles
1: will have on the roster the following players, and I'll also give you their salaries. So we got LeBron James, thirty-seven point four million per season. Anthony Davis, twenty-seven million per season. I can't read my own writing, apparently. Wagner, two million per season. Kyle Kuzma at one point nine million, and Isaac Bonga. At 1.4 million, they have five players on the roster of the Los Angeles Lakers. That is your Los Angeles Lakers 2020 basketball team. And they had a cap space of just under 24 million, uh, depending on the machination. So this is where the those little details become important. Because when Anthony Davis officially becomes a Los Angeles Laker, changes that cap number. The cap number I've seen, 24 million technically, but... There's like a $4 million payment or bonus or something that Anthony Davis would get, and that would bring you under $18 million, basically. So regardless, let's round it up and make it $20 million. Let me explain what my big problem is with it, and then I want to get your two cents on it. Here's my big issue. You've got five players on your roster. I'll talk about how I, I don't blame the Lakers because they had to make this move, but at the same time, you have five players on your roster. Let's say you want to get to just 10 you've got about $20 to get 10 players. Sorry, five players. Which sounds like a lot, except quality over quantity, my friend. And I don't think you're going to find the whole idea that they'll get another star player. You're out of your goddamn mind. There isn't enough money left to get another star player. And if we learn nothing from the parable of Golden State in 2019, it is that if your big star player goes down, you're immediately screwed with no depth. And Golden State has some depth, but they didn't have as much as the Raptors had in terms of depth. That's where the Raptors were able to turn the tide. As At the very top, Golden State was more than competitive with Toronto. Kawhi Leonard could be theoretically neutralized by Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or... Um, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, thank you. But that top level is better than what the Raptors could offer. But Kevin Durant was injured. Clay Thompson got injured during the series. And Kevin Durant got injured during his brief 12-minute run in the series. As soon as they were gone, it wasn't a matter of if Toronto would win. It's a matter of when. And that's what happens when a big player goes down and you're relying so much on the very top. And it's not like Golden State had nobody else. They had some great role players, and they had Boogie Cousins who played well in spurts. And even then, a a deeper team beat them. And it happens. Injuries happen. So I want to get your thoughts, but then I'll come back to why that five-player thing is even worse for L.A., in my opinion. Go ahead. So here's my thing. I think, okay, so as somebody who is a huge fan of New
0: Orleans, now I'm not saying the New Orleans Pelicans, right? Although they have a special spot in my heart because they're from New Orleans. But Raptors are my team. Let's get that out there. But I'm, I'm I'm a huge fan of this trade because of what it does for New Orleans, right? So New Orleans got basically because they got Zion. And we know that it's official now because the NBA draft is happening and they took Zion number one overall. So I love that. But before we get into that kind of stuff, look, for the Lakers, I think you you want to do it because you got to give LeBron something because it didn't work out last year, although they were a playoff team before LeBron got hurt. But now you're thinking, hey, we got two star guys. But I think the problem is there is no way that the Lakers should be the favorites right now. They are in terms of the odds, but they shouldn't be because I don't think they have enough you know, I know the West is a little bit more wide open now because apparently a dumpster fire has started in Houston with the craziness that's going on between Chris Paul and and James Harden, or at least allegedly going on. You know, Golden State with all their injuries and where's Durant going to go, but he's not going to play next year. So the West is a little bit in flux. So it gives the Lakers an opportunity. But I honestly don't think, I mean, if you took, let's say that was their starting lineup, the guys that you just mentioned they have now, despite whoever they else might get in free agency to fill out the roster... I don't think that team would be Toronto if they had Kawhi. That's right?
1: kind of been my overarching point, is that the lack of depth here. I'm giving you two named guys, and I've given you Kyle Kuzma, who can be a good player. But that's it. I basically gave you two other bench players. So I've got three starters and two bench players. That's actually what's on the roster right now. And the the underlying point, we'll get to it more in a second and I want you to finish your point. But my underlying point is that whether I give the Lakers 20 million to fill out this roster or I give them 25 or I even give them 30. I don't have a problem with them making the move because at this point they had to go for the home run. They didn't have a choice. They had already botched this trade once. So they had to go for the home run. But to your Pelicans standpoint, what they gave up, the Pelicans are going to be the long run winners of this unless the Lakers win two straight championships. Which I doubt, because of the biggest factor of all is not the personnel. So even if I say twenty or twenty-five or thirty million in cap room, I don't trust the Lakers front office to make the smart trade. This was an obvious trade, and they only offered New Orleans everything. And then New Orleans says, "We accept your everything. Thanks." New Orleans, they made it. It made it really easy for New Orleans. They're like, "So you're offering us basically everything you have." And my favorite thing is, technically, the New Orleans Pelicans got. The L.A. Lakers passed, draft passed, because Lonzo was a number two overall draft pick, the, their draft passed, their draft present, the number four overall pick, and their draft future for years. So they gave up yeah. number one picks all over the place, the past, the present, the future, all of it. New Orleans well, was in a good spot with that.
0: You know, the only thing I think here is, is for LA, if you're looking at L.A., is two things. One, when does the trade actually get officially consummated? Because if it's July 6th, they're screwed. In terms of cap space, I think then they wind up with like twenty three and a half million or something like that cap space. And there's like Whereas, there's like
1: a potential bonus or payment or something that could really mess with the numbers more. But that's yeah. But that's that's
0: including the Anthony Davis um, four million bonus,
1: something like that.
0: But if they consummate it, say like later in July, I think it's around the, like the end of July, thirtieth of July, something like that. Then they can add potentially a lot more cap space. But I think that what is ultimately going to come down to is. How much is are the Lakers sorry willing to go into the luxury tax? Because I think if they're going to have any kind of chance of winning anything, they're going to have to overspend. And it's just a question of how much at luxury tax are they willing to pay. Now, they're the Lakers, so they got a ton of money. But I, I still am not convinced. I, I don't know. I just don't think at this point now, I know there's a lot of people who probably disagree with me, but I literally don't think that LeBron and AD alone because that's pretty much what it is, depending on how well Kyle Kuzma develops, is enough. Not in the the NBA they were playing at. Now, obviously, there's other pieces to fall. Where does Kawhi go? Uh, Where does Kyrie Irving go? Campbell Walker? Like, these players, where do they end up? But you're taking a big gamble. I think they're going to be a playoff team. But I don't... You know, it's not automatic. If LeBron gets hurt again, and AD hasn't played a full season in forever, so... You know, there's a lot of things that flex here that you're also expecting a lot of things to go right and work in your way. And like you said, I don't have the confidence. You don't have the confidence. Who does have the confidence in Rob Pelinka to really get this right?
1: And I think that's a big thing because right now the way the L.A. Lakers are – and I want to talk about the Pelicans some more in a second because I think the Pelicans' side of it is actually infinitely more interesting now. So congrats to you. But – The L.A. Lakers thing, though, in all seriousness, this move is justifiable in the sense that they had to do it. They blew up last season and demoralized their team trying to get this deal done last season. And they had to deliver for the L.A. market the big-name star. Well, Anthony Davis is a star in his prime. Whether he's able to play full seasons or not, whether they have to do load management or not, he should be a star who could potentially still be a star for you going forward after LeBron James is done. But for the next two seasons or so, you want to try to maximize what you have in LeBron James. Problem is, you're going into year, I think, 16 or 17 of LeBron James. He will be 35 next season. Fine. He's been a physical specimen up until this point, and only this past year has he had an extended injury that has taken him out. The problem is, is that the new normal? Are you going to have to incorporate load management and keep LeBron out of games on purpose to make sure he's healthy enough for the playoffs where you didn't have to do that before? Regardless of whether you have to do that or not, you're one injury away from basically being a one-player team again. And if it's LeBron James at, a, at year 16 or 17, that's not going to work. We already know it's not going to work because it didn't work last season. And if it's Anthony Davis, well, he's younger, but he also has been hurt in the past. But even if he can play the full season, and LeBron James goes down at the All-Star break, I'm just making up numbers now, but if he goes down at the All-Star break, you think he can carry what's left of this team, the nothing there is, and carry it to... a you know, even if you get to the playoffs, can you do anything with that? Is that better than what he had in New Orleans? Like, not really. And the other thing is this all this stuff is justifiable and it's doable if your front office is on the same page. If your front office has a plan, if your front office is not reacting, if they've got an idea in their head of what they want to do. This front office in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles Lakers does not have any of that. They're throwing crap at the wall just to see what sticks. And they're going to have to suddenly maneuver and try to get five or six players for $20 maybe less, maybe a little more. But they're going to have to suddenly try to fill out a roster. Who the hell are you going to get? Like, how little are you going to have to pay them? And and usually you get what you pay for. Nobody's going to take a discount to go and play in L.A. with this roster of players. And your two main guys are making a lot of money. So everybody else is going to go looking at it and go, who the hell would want to be the third wheel in this group? That's a tough sell, man. That's a real tough sell. So from the L.A. Lakers standpoint, you better get this right, and you do have a window. This next season in the West is probably your best opportunity to get to the Western Conference Finals, to potentially get to the NBA Finals, but I can't promise you who you'll be whoever comes out of the East It's going to really depend where the other dominoes fall, because there's a lot of good players who can shift things in the, other, in the Eastern Conference or in the rest of the West, and L.A. isn't really that much better situated than anybody else. Technically, they have five players. So as soon as you need to go to the bench, it's empty. There's nobody there. You can suit up and play for the Lakers, Dave. Hey, you know what? Honestly,
0: when I when I when I first heard about this and who they had left in here, I was like, maybe Carlos and I can play in the NBA now. Or they'll just say, like you, you know you sit courtside at a Lakers game, and next thing you know, hey Jack, you're in, man. It's like, but Jack Nicholson's like almost ninety. Doesn't matter. He's been here long enough. Suit up for this game. He's probably one of the few
1: people who has enough money already in his life where he'll play for the league minimum to play on this team. You're going to take whoever you can get. The point is you're going to take whoever you can get, whoever will agree to a contract at this point.
0: I mean the way I look at it, Carlos, is there has never been a better chance for either you or I or Benny T for that matter to sign a 10-day contract and play in the NBA.
1: You're saying the dream is alive, is what you're trying to say.
0: The dream is alive, Carlos. This is
1: a dream I didn't even know I had, because I barely played basketball when I was a kid. But the dream is alive. Exciting. Now let's look at the other side of this deal, because I think it's a little more fascinating. Short version, I think the I think the Lakers are fucked. Why? Because I don't think the management is capable of work. This is a workable situation if your management is able to get on the same page, if they have a plan, and they better know how to scout around the world, and they better find some players who are willing to sign cheap, who can actually play, who can actually shoot, would probably be the key for this team. But otherwise, this roster is very questionable. Now, looking at the other side of it, the New Orleans Pelicans aren't out of the woods, but I must say, considering they had their franchise player ditch them, they got about as much, they extracted about as much out of the LA Lakers' hide as is humanly possible. Like I said, they got the, they got the draft past, present, and future. But in addition to that, more machinations. So first of all, on the surface, for the Pelicans, I like the flexibility. The ability to do about a hundred million things, if you want to, and they've already made some moves. That number four pick already has paid some dividends. Zion was number one, but the number four pick was traded to the Atlanta Hawks for the number eight, the number seventeen, and the number thirty-five in this year's draft, plus a protected first rounder from Cleveland in twenty twenty. Just draft picks on draft picks, Dave. They're falling from the sky. I know. I you know honestly, if anything,
0: this trade has maybe really be like, David Griffin, kudos to you, man. Cause you at least, I mean, if you took David Griffin side by side with Rob Polenka, you know, one of these things is not like the other. And that's the guy who knows what the hell he's doing. And that's David Griffin.
1: Well, the thing is from David Griffin's perspective, he's basically positioned himself. That's why I say like, you know, indirect congratulations to you and to the new Orleans faithful. Although this isn't the ideal, you didn't want your superstar to run away, especially a superstar in his prime. However, the cupboard is not bare. The cupboard is full. The cupboard is overflowing. Oh,
0: and, and the mood around the team, I honestly feel like when I was looking at some of the shots from the NBA draft today where people are, you know, out in the French Quarter partying because we get Zion Williamson, you know, I think the mood around the team is even better than when they drafted AD. Honestly. And, and I think with New Orleans and basketball, I mean, New Orleans is a, is a football town. It's a Saints town in terms of their sports. But... They have a chance now to be a really good, not not even a one A, but a solid B, as opposed to there was no B and they're probably C, and you're like, but there is no other team. Well, it doesn't matter. They're still C because the Saints are 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 1A, one A, one one A and B. You know, the practice squad at the Saints is more popular than the New Orleans Pelicans. But with this trade and, and the pieces coming in and, and the team coming around it, I mean, are they a playoff team? Probably not. It's possible they they may compete for like the eighth seed. You know, it is possible. I don't think they're going to go any higher than that if they do make the playoffs. But I think you've got a young team that's exciting to watch that will draw people. And I think in New Orleans, you know, if you see one, a team that's worth going to see, it's got a lot of flexibility and a a lot of optimism towards it, and somewhere that's looking like it's an up-and-coming. I don't think, I don't know how you can look at this trade any other way than in a positive light. For the New Orleans Pelicans.
1: I think on the whole, it's good. I think it does give them some possibilities for the future. And I when I read off all those picks, if you really think about it, it's the exact opposite of the Lakers' situation. They can basically redraft an entire roster and build the roster. And that isn't ruining their flexibility for the future. They can still get... I don't know what free agents they're going to be able to draw in New Orleans. I'm not going to pretend to know. But the truth is... Their situation is a lot more flexible and open-ended than a lot of other ones. And if you have a plan for building a team, this isn't a terrible place from which to start. The fans will be excited for Zion in that first season. That'll buy you some leeway to try to build. And you've got assets. And you've got assets going into future seasons that you can potentially convert into players. It's kind of good if you want a franchise build. This is about as good a setup as you could possibly have. So that's not bad. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, you still got an, you're still in a second first-rounder there's still lots of good names in terms of where they've been ranked you got three on first the board rounders. on, on three right? first rounders what do you mean it was you got first pick and and the 17th pick
1: eighth and 17th
0: but they oh that's right yeah sorry you got
1: three yeah first rounders
0: that's right sorry so and number 35 yeah, like, which
1: is just outside the first round
0: yeah exactly I mean look even as you said earlier even if you know a couple even if they like two of these guys turn out to be solid NBA guys I'm not even talking about all-stars. I'm talking about solid NBA guys. You win.
1: You got to rebuild a franchise and you got a lot of pieces in return and you're able to turn these pieces into more pieces. And, you know, and,
0: if, and if the Lakers don't win the championship, you really win if you're New Orleans. Or at least the Lakers really lose.
1: Yeah. The thing is you've got a two-year window with the Lakers because you could say, oh, well, in year three or year four, you know, Anthony Davis could win a championship. Yeah, but then you wasted the last two years of LeBron. The whole point of doing this trade now and giving up everything was so that you could get LeBron a, an opportunity to win a championship with this you know with this situation. If LeBron James retires or leaves to another team and Anthony Davis wins a championship without him, that's fine for Anthony Davis. but that's three years down the road. and you could have had Anthony Davis as a free agent anyway without giving up your entire franchise. So it, it's it, you're basically overpaid to not accomplish your goal in the first two you need something in the first two years to justify this trade having been executed that's why this next two years with the lakers is going to be fascinating and this next year with the lakers this season upcoming in 2020 technically should be their window even beyond the second year because golden state will be in a weakened state this is when you want to capitalize on the west so that you know was kind of the main topic there i will make a little side note congratulations to rj barrett being drafted number three overall to the New York Knicks, good luck to that, and their KD sweepstakes. So maybe they could have an injured KD and have an empty chair,
0: you know. And also congratulations to not is it Nikhil Alexander Walker? Yeah, I think that's guy. how you pronounce
1: it. Yeah, here's your guy. You're and, 17. But is
0: another another Canadian though.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh... and
0: he was the one drafted 17th by the Brooklyn Nets, but that's a proposed trade to the Pelicans as well, so. That's it's always good to see Canadian guys going and getting drafted high too. I am really happy for RJ Barrett I, that he's a third pick. I'm not so happy that he's necessarily going to the Knicks, but hey, if he if he becomes the, you know, whoever becomes the guy who makes the Knicks really actually relevant instead of pretending to be relevant again, that you got the world in the palm of your hand if I, you can actually do that.
1: I think what's playing well into his hands is that the New York Knicks faithful don't expect him to fix the franchise. They know that he's not going to fix the franchise by himself. They're still hoping that, you know, Kevin Durant will come. And if he does, even if he, even if he comes right now and he's injured for the first season, that gives R.J. Barrett a year to develop. That's not a terrible thing. And then suddenly getting Kevin Durant in year, two, Assuming Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant and assuming they're able to get their hands on him. If both those things come to pass, New York Knicks fans have at least things to look forward to. No guarantees, but something to look forward to.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And as far as the NBA, uh, I'm sure the content gods will smile on us further because there's still time. You know, we haven't technically yeah. hit the free agent period.
0: We say so. Who knows? Maybe this time next week we're still talking NBA because everything else has happened in the NBA.
1: They've really made it a year round thing, though. They, they've done this to the sport because now the draft. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but you know we've got draft day deals. We've got different things that are happening, so it's. It's not like things have stopped. They continue to roll on. And we're and like I said, we haven't hit the free agency period. Yeah,
0: and, and free agency is uh, just over a week away.
1: Exactly. So anything else we want to hit on as far as the draft or any of these traits? I think we're good. All right. I think we
0: can move into what we're looking forward to this week.
1: All right. What do you got? Sunday night.
0: CONCACAF, Carlos. Canada versus Cuba.
1: Why do you insist on punishing yourself? You you keep talking about how much you hate CONCACAF. And then first thing out in blocks, CONCACAF, guys
0: because i'm a i'm a fan of canada and i'm a fan of canadian soccer so i can't i can't not a masochist unfortunately. You
1: say. a masochist you say
0: you know i don't like it's i wish i could say it otherwise but i mean i'm pretty you know knowing my luck canada will somehow find a way to lose to cuba who's lost to mexico 7-0 and martinique 3-0 canada should come out of the group second and and that's good there I'm also looking forward to Sweden versus Canada on Monday, which is the Women's World Cup. Uh, so some Canadian content there for you. And that's that's pretty much it in terms of the big things that I'm, I'm looking forward to that are coming up. So it's, I'm going to keep it with the pretentious cost country running uh, and enjoying those two soccer games. But because of Team Canada, yes, there are other matches in those tournaments that will be interesting. But the ones I'm focused on are the ones for the Canadian teams.
1: Well done by you. Staying on brand. I like it. I missed out last week because it because it actually wasn't on the calendar. But this weekend, we've got the UFC Fight Night. So we've got the uh, Moinkano versus the Korean Zombie taking him on in Greenville. What's interesting about this card is this is one of those cards that the UFC will put on from time to time where you've got your headliner, who I know. So I know the Korean Zombie. I've seen his fights. A lot of these other fighters, though, I'm less familiar with. A lot of, like, lower top 10 contenders. I always look forward to those fights, though, because sometimes uh, sometimes I get surprised. Sometimes I'll see somebody who's a, a prospect still, somebody who's a blue chipper but hasn't hit that top tier level yet. And there's an opportunity. Plus, as a fight night, it's on free TV on TSN here in Canada or ESPN in the U.S., so that's cool. Uh, one other fight that is on the main card here, you've got Andrea KGB Lee, who came from Invictus, who I've seen fights from. She's good. She'll have a fight on the main card. Other than that, I'm just looking forward to checking out this fight card. I will try to watch a little bit more of uh, the CFL this weekend as well. So we'll uh, we'll see. Now we're you know we're into the regular season officially. I have no idea who the hell's any good, but I have to see a little bit more as far as the games are concerned. But we'll have a little more CFL content. You know, try to get in that Canadian, keep the CRTC happy. So that'll happen. Always.
0: And we, we could potentially have a—well, I mean, we have a matchup we could talk about. The matchup is happening, but us talking about it, not necessarily. But Toronto—I should have mentioned this. Toronto is playing Hamilton in Toronto on Saturday.
1: They are. They are. It is the Battle of Ontario early season. Are you, are you in, like, mid-season Battle of Ontario mode? Are you ready not, to not, win not not, not,
0: You know what? Not even close. Like, I will probably not be in CFL mode until Labor Day, to, to be quite frank. I think you know I'll I'll pay attention. Obviously, I'll follow the Thai cats and whatnot. But in terms of actually really caring, probably not until Labor Day. I now, like- some of that may ha- may have something to do with the birth of my first child in August. Just saying, but you know that's that's where I am right now with the CFL. I'm following it, and if I'm not doing something else, I will watch because obviously I lo- I love the league and you know and I'll follow the storylines. But in terms of really really caring, you know I'll see you in September.
1: Well, well done. Well done. I think uh, like yourself, I uh, you know, it's going to take a little while for me to warm up uh, to this year's CFL season. I figure I'll be uh, fully invested sometime also around Labor Day 2047. You know, we'll get there. We will definitely get there. And that I should be just well invested into this season by then. I think that'll be good. Or, or when your first child, you know, graduates from university right around then. I think I think we'll pretty much be nailing it. We'll be right there. Hey, as
0: long, the point is, it's going to happen eventually.
1: Eventually. Absolutely. You know, that's something to hope for. That'll be uh, that'll be it for us on this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Last uh, shameless plug before we go. Episode 21 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You can check that one out and all other episodes on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you check, get your podcast. You can also check it out on YouTube. Look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You'll see previous episodes archived as well as the occasional Unnecessary Pod Extra, where I'll opine on some topic if it moves me. So depending on what's happening in the world of sports, if it happens too far between different episodes. Otherwise, David and myself will talk to you again on the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast.